So we're live, huh? Yep. Kind of wait here till it, the clock turns to eight o'clock, just in case we so have. Some... It, it's popped up on uh, Facebook. All right. Nice. So it's on there. So it did. It did work. Let me comment. Yeah, see what happens. It, it's popped up on uh, Facebook. What's playing through, Jim? Just to yeah, just know. <laughs> so I commented on there. And so you I just popped up here in our comments. Yeah, I see section. it. Cool. Cool. That's nice. All right. Just about there. And it does automatic uh, captions, too. Nice. probably have a pot of coffee three two one welcome to wilderness outreach mancast my name's john first one along with my brothers peter (laughs) and james mancast is our weekly adventure into the wilds of masculine spirituality where we will be hunting for the meaning of manhood tracking down the intersection of faith and science uncovering true leadership and searching for the deep meaning of the history of God's created universe. So strap on your hiking boots, grab your pack, compass, and map, and let's get rolling. Peter, would you uh, lead us in with prayer, brother? Yeah. Um, In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, help us uh, pray well and listen and be open to everything you have for us to share tonight and to... uh, do your will. Please bless our families and all the people we love. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. amen. All right. So, yeah. So this is exciting, John. This is super yeah. exciting. The first episode of the Wilderness Outreach Mancast. Uh, it's probably appropriate to explain what in the world is wilderness outreach, really. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great question, and so uh, yeah, let's talk about that a little bit, right? So, uh, on the basic level, we can say wilderness outreach is a Catholic men's ministry, or in Catholic parlance, that would be apostolate, and it's a ministry or apostolate built by men for men, really to challenge us as men on the levels of the physical, the the intellectual, and the spiritual. And when we talk, you know, a lot of times in, in Catholic world, again, we talk about formation and the idea is to really like sharpen those three aspects of our being really, in, you know, live a good, vigorous physical life, staying in shape, eating well. And uh, same thing on the intellectual level, constantly digging in intellectually to, to uh, stretch our brain and our thoughts and, and uh, how we uh, search out the meaning of God's universe. And then finally, in, on that spiritual level of really coming before the Holy Trinity, God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, and presenting ourselves there for, for betterment, you know, to make us better men. Um, we, we do this, so we, we do these, uh, these wilderness expeditions that we started in 2007 with the idea of taking men into the deep backcountry where we developed this idea of the five disciplines, 
where a man is immersed for you know over a week in the in the deep back country in the the five disciplines of worship. So we praise and prayer, and then we celebrate the mass every day in the wilderness because we always bring a priest with us, and then we work. So what's really cool and kind of counterintuitive about wilderness outreach is we our work that aspect of the work is really building and clearing backpacking and hiking trails for the United States Forest Service on public lands. And uh, it's pretty neat because we become a great uh, uh, witness for the church and for ourselves when we're out there because we're constantly encountering people and doing work for people that don't expect us to be there. So the third uh, uh, discipline is asceticism, which is really that, that intentionally doing without, right? Uh, so in, in that backcountry setting, no refrigerators, no TVs, no hot showers. Uh, you know what? You, you have a, a limited amount to eat, so it's really putting ourselves intentionally into an ascetic environment. And then in the evening, so we we have two hours of study and discussion every evening, and a lot of that has to do with leadership and this whole concept of well, what is leadership, right? And that's going to be one of the subject matters that we'll delve pretty deeply into. In, in our man cast in the following weeks and months. And uh, so we'll spend a lot of time on that. And in this situation, what we get uh, is this building of brotherhood. So this, uh, this environment that we're in in wilderness outreach out in the wilderness together, it's really an iron sharpens iron type of environment that really builds brotherhood in a true and good way. And uh, so since uh, uh, 2007, We've now done uh, 52 and going on 53 expeditions into the high country. Uh, what the Rocky Mountains everywhere from uh, uh, New Mexico up into through Wyoming and Colorado and over to Sierra Nevada, uh, up and down the, through California, all the way up into the Cascades and Oregon and over into Idaho. So we've done some, some pretty neat uh, expeditions to uh, to really take our, our men out there and really expose ourselves to that kind of environment and formation again. Um, so yeah, in, in a uh, in May, we were actually uh, in the Domeland Wilderness in uh, the southern tier of the Sierra Nevada, just a little northeast of Bakersfield, California, and uh, took a really great group of young men from uh, the uh, Thomas Moore Newman Center from Ball State, along with uh, Father uh, DiCarlo, and we spent a good week out there, got really cold. I think the first two nights we were there is down to 15 degrees, so that was enjoyable. It never got really much over 60 the whole time we were there, but that's that kind of a natural aesthetic environment and the way it, it really makes your body feel, say, a little uncomfortable, and you just deal with it, but you learn how to deal with it, and it makes you a better man. And then we're going into the John Muir Wilderness, working on the Pacific Crest Trail. Some of you may have heard of that. Pacific Crest Trail runs from Mexico to Canada, 2,560 miles, and we've spent probably 20 to 25 of our expeditions working on the, uh, the Pacific Crest Trail. So uh, yeah, we also do some, uh, some local events, and those are, those are really uh, rewarding as well. So we do a lot of campouts, we do an advent hike every uh, winter, and then we, we do the what we call the carry the cross hike, which is like a six-hour 
12 mile hike through Tar Hollow with up to 120 men or so. We pray the, the uh, uh, stations of the cross and it's just a great thing. We have a lot of fathers and sons showing up together. So what's the purpose of this man cast anyway? So what, what are we trying to say here? What are we trying to get out? One of the things we want to do is that if you think about this, we've done this 53 times and there's over 500 men that have done this. Every one of those men have a really interesting story about something that happened while they were in the back country during our expeditions. And so we want to share a lot of those stories. And then with the intentionality that we enter these expeditions, there's just lots of books and uh ideas that are really zeroing in on how did God create the universe and how does he call us as men, let's say families and church to move forward and do his work. And so next week we'll kind of talk more about that, right? We're going to talk about the things we're going to be talking about. We'll discuss some of the those books and ideas and, and people and stories. So we'll go more into detail on what it is that we're going to be talking about over the next, who knows how long, how many episodes, but we'll kind of take a brief overview of everything that we're going to be trying to discuss and, and talk about on here. Um, and man, you talking about some of those trips brought back a lot of great memories. You're talking about asceticism and how your body, <laughs> you say gets used to it, but I don't know if it ever actually does, but uh, definitely, <laughs> definitely some difficulty in there. Um, yeah, I, mean, I guess. That, 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 go ahead, Jim. Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess I, my next question for you also would be like, how did all this come about? I mean, so that's wilderness outreach. That's the purpose. That's the reason that we're involved in this and doing this but what are sort of the origins of this this movement this uh, organization if you will yeah that's kind of the, the you know that our origins uh, program that we're uh, talking about tonight right this is it this is kind of getting back and it's and, and it's talking about our origins so our specific origins as men which is really kind of neat as we've talked about this as this started to come together sometime around when the the uh there was a reading about the transfiguration and uh but anyway so we have we have uh, peter james and john and i'm kind of guessing that peter was in the actual uh gospel reading i'm thinking that he's the old guy right and then james is somewhere older than john and then john's the young guy and we're kind of got that completely flip-flopped which is kind of cool right so there's the neat thing about who we are as men, we're going to talk about that tonight, but there is a generational thing here that's really pretty cool about wilderness outreach. So, so we're like, I could be like the grandfather, James is like the father and Peter's the son, right? So this, it's just kind of worked out this way in a really, a really great way, the, the way the Holy Spirit works in our lives. But yeah, you know, I, I would have to go back to, um, my dad, my father, my earthly father, and then kind of talk about, you know, I was born in uh, 1952. I should say I was knitted in my mother's womb, like in 1951, <laughs> sometime before 321, 1952, right? So that, that's when life begins. We know that. That's 
one of our standard things, right? So, uh, so coming into the world, uh, my dad, my dad spent a good. He he actually was part of that that big expeditionary force that landed on Normandy and ended up going to the Elbe River in Czechoslovakia and meeting up with the Russians oh, wow. too. And um, but anyway, he came home with a little bit of a monkey on his back, right? So the, the he, he came home with a with a drinking problem. So the first six years of my life, my father was struggling with alcoholism. But on September 8th, 1958, that changed. And what's so cool about that date, that's the birth date of her blessed mother. And I never realized that till later, right? But that's that September 8th, 1958. All of a sudden, my life changed from being one of uncertainty. Who is my dad? What's going on here? To one of like certainty. I think within a week, it seemed like my dad was dragging us to church, right? And he became a stand-up guy and a leader of the household. He ended up building his own house. I think, Jim, you appreciate that. I believe you built your own house. Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, so, and then he moved us out into the countryside. And that's, that whole thing that happened there began, began a whole different phase in my life. All of a sudden, I became a, a boy and a dog in fields and woods, right? In a Milky Way galaxy at night and all that running around as a young man and and, uh, but at the same time, there's my father who was a, you know, a, a builder and a surveyor and a construction guy. And he started to mentor me into how to build things, how to think about things. And in addition to that, he started reading. My dad always was a big reader and he started reading some really interesting books and I became kind of his go-to guy. So in the, in the, uh, during the day sometime or on the weekends, he'd say, Hey, let's go take a hike. So we'd hike down the creeks and through the woods and around the fields. And he just started talking about these books that he was reading. And some of these were like, and then he started giving me books by the time I was 12, 13, 14 years old. He's given me books like, as a man thinketh, your God is too small. The cost of discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And, uh, and then he gave me another book where I realized there was something I, I sensed my first calling as a cosmic patriot. By the time I was 15, he gave me a book that I, I went all of a sudden and said, wow, there's something going on in the universe, this idea of the cosmic patriot that Chesterton talks about, just like really galvanized something inside me, realized there's something out there that I, I needed to be joined in a battle about. The other aspect of my life, which is really cool, I grew up in this construction family, so I worked with uncles and cousins and my dad. And there were these great men of great strength, great character, a lot of good humor. And they just taught me how to work and how to plan. And they would, the mentorship opportunities that were just profound because they would give you just enough to where you could make a mistake. So they're constantly laying more and more responsibility on you and letting you take off and run with it, right? And then you'd make a mistake. And but no, but it wasn't like where you really got chewed out for it, right? I mean, you get corrected, but they all, they wanted to see you grow. So it was just such a great thing. I called, and my dad was good about that. So we went surveying, and then I poured a lot of concrete, tied a lot of rebar. And I think if I'd sum that up, what those men taught me, it's work hard, do your best, do more than your part. You know, always like try to try to get your job done and go help somebody else do theirs. Admit your mistakes. I mean, what a that's a great thing. And always tell the truth. 
that, that combination of admitting your mistakes and always telling the truth, especially in the construction industry where you're building big buildings and bad things can happen if, if you don't uh, get things right, that's, that, that really builds character. And, uh, and then I think the other thing that I learned from that was this desire to become a go-to guy. I mean, these men were looking at you and saying basically in their own unspoken way, you need to become a go-to guy. You need to become somebody that people can rely on, that if the situation turns bad, you could step forward and try to make it right. And it just, it was just a great way to grow up. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, and I can't thank God enough for that. I went, ended up going to college and I think that started the, my, what I call the hero's journey, where I went into the unknown and it ended up in this, let's say, a, Oh, up to like an eight or nine year battle, going to college, dealing with secular culture, falling into the, the sexual revolution, all those things that happened, getting confused, uh, traveling, moving out to California and spending a lot of time there after college. And there was just this, uh, there was a lot of chaos in my life at that time. And, uh, and, dur- and, and I was working, I was kind of doing my own entrepreneur type work. I was living in the San Francisco Bay Area, doing small construction work on my own. And every once in a while, I'd just go up into the Sierra Nevadas for a few days or a week and backpack up in there. And that's where I started to feel some respite, some relaxation and everything. And, I, and at the time, I think I'd say I grew up nominally Christian, but I always prayed the Lord's Prayer. And whenever when things got rough, I always turned to the Lord and kind of like, Lord, help me. What do I do here? Right. So there, the Lord was always present at me and uh, and with me. And I think he was hunting for me the whole time. So uh, in the in the um, as the years went by, I finally moved back to Ohio and I got to work for a pretty good sized construction company where I got to become that go-to guy, which was really cool. So I ended up working in a multi-million dollar construction uh, industry and a, with a really good company. They gave me an awful lot of responsibility. I got to hire and, and unfortunately fire some guys at the same time, but, and really fight the battles for the construction company. So it was really great. And, and during that, all this time, it's like the Lord's tugging at my heartstrings, right? I'm just like, thinking I need to go back to church. I need to, you know, I need to get closer to the Lord. And at the same time, I'm starting to, to, you know, think about these things. Uh, Later on in my late thirties, by that time, my father died. And I know that's, uh, and James just lost his father here recently. And that's, so we're part of this brotherhood where we've lost our dads, right? And there's something deep in that that connection, but it's kind of like, it's an interesting thing when you, when you lose a father, it's kind of like, it's deeply meaningful. It's hurt. It hurts, but it's profoundly holy at the same time. It's hard to describe it all. Right. I mean, everything it's like, no, it's like, it's like, this is part of God's plan. We have to move to the other side sooner or later. And that's what my dad did. And what was kind of interesting, I was at that time in my life, I was working really hard. I was really focused on being the go-to guy, having some really great success there. God wasn't in my life. But when my father died, it kind of reignited me back into some of those ideas and the books we talked about. And I started digging back into that again, because one of the really profound things about one of those books, I'd say, as a man thinketh, it was written by James Allen, like in 1905, was that 
the quality of our lives is reflected by the quality of our thinking and our belief structure. And that's just such a, that, and it's like, and it's up to us to choose the right, to find the right belief structure and then to enact it in our life. Right. And so I started re reading some of those things. And then I ended up finding this book by the name of uh, in search of excellence by a guy named Tom Peters. And it was started to talk about this idea that there can be excellence in business. The business, in a sense, is a calling and it's a holy endeavor, right? I mean, he doesn't use those words, but that's how I was hearing it and taking it. And then next on the line, all of a sudden, I'm re I'm discovering this guy by the name of Peter uh, or uh, Peter Singh and the, the, the five disciplines and then the seven habits of Covey. And so all these things are starting to coalesce and I'm starting to realize that this calling is coming back, right? So God's calling me. And then uh, I ended up meeting laura and i wasn't in the church yet and then all of a sudden i meet this uh beautiful lady and we go on our first date together and we go out to eat and she said do you mind if we pray before we eat and i said no i'd love that i really like that idea okay here's all this let's pray together and so that was the first time i heard bless us O lord and these thy gifts which we're about to receive from thy bounty through christ our lord Amen. Right. So that was the beginning of a journey. So within uh, within the before that year was out, we were engaged and, and I came into the church and got married. And I've got married in a, in, a, in a mass. And so and I would say this about myself coming into the becoming a Catholic. I wasn't a very good Catholic at that time. I think I'm a lot better one today and I hope to be a lot better one tomorrow right so it's like and that's part of the, that's the catholic journey isn't it i mean it really is it's just like yeah i mean this is a work in process so it's like yeah we're we keep you know it's it, that and that's one of the great things about being catholic and one of the things that really brought me into it was this whole idea of faith and reason really coming together right we're seeing this intersection so uh anyway laura and i end up having our own construction company with a lot of really good men and um uh, and had a, I'd say, a company of men that we worked that worked with us when it was like a family, and uh, and I loved it. And one of the things I loved about construction to this day, it kind of is, is I I'm kind of a guy that likes a good fight. Now I, that might surprise you too. I'm sure. <laughs> sure. But, but anyway, right. Being in the industry we're in, which was the hard bid public work sector, there's lots of opportunities to fight because there's always these public entities that want to make you do things that aren't your contract and make you do them for free. And it's like, yeah, I can do, I can deal with that. So, so anyway, it's a very litigious and stressful situation. So we, we had this company for 14 years going on 15 and, and Laura was getting a little tired, I would say, you know, it was my battle. I love to fight it couldn't quite figure out why everybody didn't love this battle, but she really, at one point she said to me, it'd really be great if you found something else and be neat. If you found something, right? <laughs> I think it's funny how we don't, we don't, uh, get that at all until somebody says something. It's like, Oh, how long have you thought this has uh, been horrible? <laughs> well, yeah, well, I know. forever actually. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's like what I was having so much fun. Now you're telling me after 14 years, it was really difficult. Yeah. 
and but he, he, what's really cool about that too there's this you know we're going to get into this complementarity between men and women and there's so much good faith and science about that like even you know science the brain studies how men and women's brains are complementary to one another and i've always found that interesting that when we're aligned properly when we're thinking right we're not like being kind of knocked off our game because of sin or whatever i found that several times in my life where a woman will say john try this or do this or maybe this is the problem and it's all of a sudden it's like wow i couldn't see it right but it's like for for, for laura in so many situations it's like no this is this is what's going on there and i'm, I'm like well that's profound right well and for her it's like well no it's pretty obvious right <laughs> So, but that's, that's one of those great things about us. So, but anyway, uh, uh, getting towards this point where she was getting tired. So, you know, can, can you do something else? What are you going to do when you turn 60? What are you going to do when you turn 80? Well, it's like, yeah, keep working and fighting. Right. I love this stuff. But uh, she's like, said, no, I think you need to find something that's God oriented. And in the back of my mind, in my deep inside my mind, I was kind of, desiring to go into the backcountry, into the wilderness again and go backpacking. But I, because I associated that with the time in my life that I was secular oriented towards the secular and wasn't living the most holy lives, I was suppressing it. Right. I ended up saying to Laura, well, what do you, um, you know, after she brought this up a few times, I finally said, well, I'd kind of like to go backpacking. Right. She, and instead of saying, what, what's that have to do with God? She said, well, why don't you do that then? So she actually said, "Try that, right?" So, so it was really neat. I ended up uh, uh, getting get my gear together, start working out, really getting in shape, doing a lot of hikes. She was starting to get worried that I was by myself, that the bear's going to eat me, is she going to fall off a cliff and die? And uh, so she was really trying to get me to find some some men to do this with. So I kind of called some of my old friends. I thought, well, they might be interested, and they were like. No, nah, it's not for me, right? And uh, ended up that uh, I, so I ended up long, uh, long story long again, but uh, ended up in Oregon with a group of uh, AmeriCorps kids in 2006, working on a trail project on a Pacific Crest Trail in the Diamond Peak Wilderness, and just had this profound experience with the young men up there. So hiked in like 10, 10 to 15 miles, stayed on the boots on the ground for 10 days, built like uh, built and cleared and worked on probably five miles of backpacking trail on the Pacific Crest Trail and interacted with these young men, almost like a father, mentor, brother type of situation. It was just a beautiful thing, right? And uh, so when I came out, I talked to a few men. I was at the time, I was doing some work with Andrew Keeby at St. Paul's Outreach. And uh, there was a priest out of Sacramento that I knew, and I kind of told them the story about what happened out in Oregon. And they were both like, can we, that, that's a great thing. And I think Andrew said, can we do that? So, uh, so Wilderness Outreach, the germ of it started in 2006. And then in 2007, we actually put the first expedition together with St. Paul's Outreach and Father Chuck Kelly. And we went into the Sierra Nevada where we're returning for the first time in 15 years in August. So we're going back to the mm -hmm. same location. So, yeah. So 
the next year, uh, we were going to go into New Mexico and we had a priest signed up for it. And, uh, he ended up getting a hernia like six weeks out from, uh, when we were going to leave. And he calls me, says, John, I can't go. I got a hernia. I got to get it operated on. And I'm like, we're six weeks from the expedition flying into Albuquerque and, and so I called uh, Father Jeff Conning, who was a vocations director at the time, and said, help, need, I need some names. And he ended up giving me two really good names. Uh, one was Father Brian Dorr, who's become a great friend and uh, is actually the man who uh, created uh, Exodus 90 and those Catholic man, men. And he's just been a great friend and mentor and father over the years. And then he gave me this other one, Father William Hahn. And uh, Father... Uh, door couldn't go and then father Han, when i talked to him on the phone and told him what we were doing he said would you give me 24 hours to make up my mind and i said absolutely and 24 hours probably to the minute or the second he called back the next day and said I'm dead. <laughs> and, uh, so father william Han is my brother james's younger brother and uh so you said that was father Han. that was father Han that went with you yes Okay. Yes, it, on the on the on the uh, it would actually been the yeah the second expedition. Nice. That Father Han and that's and then and then there's a good story there because Pete, Peter and I know each other because of Father Han and James and I obviously know each other by Father through Father Han. So uh, so that's kind of the that gets us up to uh, uh, 2007 and then I'm 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 passing I'm laddering on the ball over to James now. <laughs> okay well thanks john that's that's a great great uh story about the origins of wilderness outreach and as you were talking it made me think of this one quote from dr jordan peterson which i've it's always stuck in my mind and i guess it's probably really fresh because of my father passing away in in january um but his quote is this um he says it is necessary to be strong in the face of death because death is intrinsic to life. It is for this reason that I tell my students, aim to be the person at your father's funeral that everyone in their grief and misery can rely on. There's a worthy and noble ambition, strength in the face of adversity. And I've just, I've always loved that, <clears throat> that quote by him. And it just really made me think of that when you're talking about working with your, with your father and with your uncles and, and those guys and trying to kind of train you to, to be, this guy that everyone can depend on. So it really made me uh, think of that. You're right that it is kind of a, a brotherhood of guys who have lost lost their fathers and I still get angry. Um, I still get upset, but there is something holy about that and just realizing, you know, I guess someone once told me that you don't become a man until that happens. And I, and I believe that that's, that's, for me, that was true. You know, that this, that's something that really changed me in, internally and spiritually um so I, I think it had a profound effect and and there's there's a lot of things that go on with that maybe in, in future episodes we can talk about some of the things that happened with with that because it was just uh it's a something i actually had prayed about and prayed um just took to prayer for a lot for years before mm -hmm. so it's, it's interesting how all that happened um so i'm just thinking about kind of my beginnings and my story and i've just finished listening to a book on memory and how 
faulty our memories are. So I'm, that's going to be my excuse for <laughs> leaving out anything that I, that I forget to, to mention or, or anything like that. But, um, yeah, so at 72, so I just turned 50. So, uh, it's something I've looked forward to, to be 50 because then I would finally be mature, but it's, that's just not happening yet. So we'll keep waiting <laughs> on that. <laughs> that's so. <laughs> So uh, but it's a great father. age. <laughs> What's that? So does Father on. He's waiting <laughs> on me to get mature. Is that what he's? <laughs> it's a long list. He's pre- yeah, yeah. A lot of people <laughs> waiting on that. <laughs> but I like this age because it's like um, I can use it as an excuse to do things or not to do things. So. <laughs> if I want to do something, I'll say, well, I'm, I'm 50. I'm not getting any younger. I've got to do this. Or I'll say, I really can't do that. I'm getting too old for that kind of thing. So it's a great idea. <laughs> Unreal. <laughs> <laughs> That's the benefit. Right. Like That's a good perspective. I'll be using, I'll be using that for a while. <laughs> a bank. Um, so I grew up in, in Logan. Um, right up on the hilltop. And if you're from Logan, you know what I'm talking about, but it's right up uh, where the high school used to be. It's no longer there, uh, right a block from the Catholic church. Uh, At that time, well before internet and malls and all that kind of stuff, everything was basically within walking distance. So I could walk to the store, I could walk to the movie theater, I could walk to to school, to church. I would often serve mass and since i live so close i would serve all the funerals and weddings and all that kind of stuff uh so i went to saint john's logan was taught by the sisters of notre dame de Mure, i think is how you say that so um and i and i always hear these horror stories of people who were taught by nuns and i i have my own i wasn't hit with a ruler i'll tell you that um i love the sisters i thought they were great um brass knuckles Right. Yeah. They used uh, tasers. We had tasers back then. So. <laughs> yeah. They had outlawed the rulers, but no, uh, but they were sweet. They were great. They were super teachers, um, really taught the faith. And I can still remember Sister Dorothy, second grade, giving me a rosary. And I think that's the moment I fell in love with the rosary is when I got that in second grade. So hopefully in future episodes, we can talk a little bit about the rosary as well. Um, but the sisters made you feel loved at, at school and they had a love for the faith and that just really kind of built the foundation for my faith. But uh, as I went into junior high and up into those upper grades, I kind of lost track. I left the Catholic school and went to the public school and just kind of did my own thing. Uh, I think I had listed on my notes shiftless and drifting, which is basically what it was, was just kind of living my own my own life, my own hedonistic lifestyle, as it were. Um, to doing whatever I wanted to do. And so then graduating, I went to Hawking for a little bit for college and then just kind of dropped out because I just wanted to work and party, have fun and not worry about much of anything else. And so that went on for a number of years and living with friends and living with Father Han. And uh, eventually I I moved back home because he went to OU for uh, his accounting degree. A lot of people don't know that, that he's not only a priest, but he's uh, he has an accounting degree, uh, which I think comes in handy at the parish at times. Um, so I uh, so I moved back home. Uh, but at that time, I had basically stopped 
living my faith, believing my faith. Uh, that probably stopped somewhere in junior, uh, probably like a senior, sophomore, something like that. Uh, just kind of fell away, stopped serving, stopped uh, going to mass, uh, all that stuff, just in a bad situation. Um, and so the whole time, my brother's in at OU. He's going to their Newman Center there. He's getting involved with them. He's going on the March for Life. He's having his own conversion. He's praying for me. Uh, I'm having none of it uh, until one night he comes to me at, at, at our parents' house and he gives me two books. He says, I know you're not a reader, but I want you to consider reading these books. And one was called The Faith of Millions. Um, and the other one was called Pierced by a Sword. And so I looked at these books and I judge books by their covers. And so The Faith of Millions was about yay thick and had, uh, it was obviously about the faith, about the church. So I knew what that was about, tossed that one. I was not going to read that because I knew what he was trying to do. So I picked the other book to read. He's so darn sneaky. He knew what he was doing. <laughs> That's a no for me, dog. <laughs> You right. were a red herring, huh? <laughs> Got your number. Right. right. <laughs> I did. Yeah. So I started reading Pierced by a Sword. And I mean, and almost literally it was it was almost miraculous. Like it just resonated with me. It just changed my whole outlook about what the faith actually is, what it's supposed to be. Um, I guess because it presented people in real life, like real situations, like it wasn't what I had in my mind about, you know, you had to just walk around hands folded, praying the rosary all the time. But it was people who were struggling, people who were sinning, people who were just really having a rough time, but how the faith works, how grace works. And so it just really changed, changed my whole, whole life. I, and I, I tell the author that to this day, I've emailed him and uh, let him know uh, in many ways it's changed my life because after I read that book, I went on to his website and on his website way back when, when we still had dial up and, and all those uh, old computer things, there was a, a little chat room where you could go in and meet other people who had read the book. And it was there that I met Nicole was in that chat room. She had also read the book and had a conversion. And so that book changed both of our lives and brought us together. Wow. So that was because of that book that you guys clicked pretty much. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause we, we were both in there just to kind of meet other people who had read the book and talk about it. And oh, okay. so we, we kind of hit it off as a, in our discussion. We started talking about other books we were reading and then it just, it grew from there. Um, That's so awesome. that book has, has changed. I mean, it's changed the world, right? If you think about marriage and children and generations and just with us, I know it's affected other people as well. So. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a stunning thought, isn't it? How that ripples into the future, like that happened. Right. Like, giving you that, or he giving he's giving you two books, and you throw one over your shoulder, and you take that one, and all of a sudden, you know, here we are today after all these things that you've done and good things that have happened in your life. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, just just to think that that book, and and to think even to the that author who was probably sitting up late at night after his kids went to bed and typing all these words and trying to make it work and getting frustrated and starting again. I mean, I, I know what it's like to do that kind of stuff and to think all his hard work, you know, just these series of events and how they continue to go and 
I meet people today who have read the book or have picked up the book when I've left boxes of them at churches and how it's impacted their life. And it's just, we're all connected, you know, we just are. So it, what we do is important, I guess that would be the, to sum all that up. Yeah. Everything matters, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so after I kind of came back to the church, you know, that's, uh, I got a, got a good job, um, learned to work and be accountable. Kind of like what John was saying. I, I worked as an apprentice, as an electrician, uh, taught me how to just be among men and, and work among men and, get things done and work hard and um, accomplish things, be accountable to be there on time. And it was just a great experience to learn that trade and as well as just learn to, to be a better person. Um, so, you know, that was all good. I was kind of dating Nicole. I didn't mention she's from Louisiana. So this was this long distance uh, relationship as I'm also an apprentice with the electricians. Um, so th we started we first met at Steubenville at a conference. So we started flying back and forth. Um, and at that whole time, even I had gone on some retreats trying to discern, did I want to be a religious? I've always been attracted to like the, the monastery and the hermits and that type of life. Did I want to be a priest? Did I want to be married? And in my mind to be a saint, and that's what I wanted to be after I read that book. Cause I just, I want to be a saint. Um, so in my mind, that meant, holy card that meant being a priest being a brother being some sort of religious and praying that's to me that's what a, a saint was i never even really heard of a married saint or a single saint or anything like that so i was trying to discern what it was that i wanted to to do or to be you know as a saint and it was at that time that i flew to louisiana to to meet with nicole and we went to her grandparents house and it was there that I met her grandpa. And as soon as I saw this man, I knew that I wanted to be a dad, that I wanted to be a father, that I wanted to get married. Here was a man who had been in World War II, had been on ships that were attacked by kamikazes, that had 12 children that would light up a room just with his eyes and his smile, just with the joy that came from him. And I'm like, I want that that is exactly what i'm after right there so um it was then when i met him that i decided yeah this is this is what i'm discerned this is what i'm called to be so so not long after that we we got married and we're married for a time um and i think i i think my brother had invited me to go hiking with this guy that he had went camping with john bradford guy and like, okay, well, I'll go. I think we might have went to Clear Creek or something. And uh, it might have been Ryan Anthony might have been part of that, too. If I, I could be mistaken, John, you might remember. But, but just kind of realizing, wow, these are other guys who are trying to strive to do the same thing I'm doing. I'm not alone. That was the big thing for me. And to combine it with the physical activity, because, you know, I, I pray better when I'm walking or hiking. Um, everything's moving. And so this kind of spirituality combined with physical work and fitness and other guys in the same struggle, it was just, uh, it was a great fit. And so then I went on my first trip on Winter's Outreach was 2009 to New Mexico. 
which is a, a fantastic trip. Um, a bunch of great guys who I see today. They're, and that's the neat thing about wilderness outreach is if you go on a trip on an expedition, you won't see guys for five, six years. And when you see them, it's just like it was yesterday. You just meet up and just, hey, how you doing? How's it been? You know, just like your your brothers. You are. You've bonded over this this experience. So New Mexico, 2009, um, we were up in uh, off the John Muir Trail just past the John Muir Ranch, I think it was, maybe 2011. And then I did another one in 2017, which was fun with um, with Anthony and Christopher, my two oldest ones, uh, father-son camp out. So, or expedition up into, uh, I'm not sure where that was, somewhere in California. Um, yeah, in the Sierra Nevada, I think it was. Uh, okay. Well, it was up, yeah, the Ansel Adams Wilderness Show. Right, right. Yeah, so there was some mamonies on that trip as well. I remember yeah, I was still checked Gabe. out. Yeah. I think maybe Gabe. Yeah, I believe Gabe and Isaac went with my dad. I'm not sure okay. if both of them yeah. went. I don't I don't really know. I know yeah, I Gabe went. Was. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can remember when we got into base camp when our, our hike in. And a lot of guys immediately set their tent up. And uh, so I think it was probably like five to seven miles back in that we had to backpack in. And uh, the skies opened up. Remember that, Jim? And it was oh, just my like, gosh. It was a nightmare. And yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Everybody got soaked. Everything got soaked. The ground started to wash away. And then it was just over like that. But everything was just drenched. Yeah. 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 Drying out, trying to move to higher ground. <laughs> we thought, is it going to be like this every single day? Because yeah. I don't know if I signed up for this part. Had you set your tent up yet, John? No, actually. Father Han and I like were, were like, we were kind of walking around trying to figure out where we're going to set our tents up and we're watching everybody set their tent up. So we never got our tent set up. We just hung out in our raincoats and uh, watched everybody get flooded out. So <laughs> like a real leader. <laughs> yeah, like <crazy>. a true <laughs> leader. <laughs> Let's teach Check him a lesson. Yeah. <laughs> welcome I, I welcome to the outdoors. A great memory yeah. and picture of you, Jim, coming into camp, walking across that ponderosa pine that was laid, oh, laying yeah. across near a creek. That must have been like twelve foot down to the creek, and you you just walked right across that. It's like right, yeah, trying to keep the balance across that on. thing. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah so uh, so uh, what's uh, what what did what did uh, you 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 ended up talking that that, that night? I think you and uh, so you were with uh, Anthony and Christopher, right on that right and uh yeah so i'm trying to remember what you were talking about you had an assignment to talk about around the campfire that night hmm one of the nights or I something remember. is that one of the trips that we did can't remember if we did a book on that one or if that was just on the aspects of masculine spirituality yeah I, I'm, I'm remembering you I, I was thinking you were doing something about the uh the the crusades some of you were okay some of the crusades. yeah i think we we had to read um the last crusader by lewis dewall 
which oh. talks about Don Juan of Austria. Okay. And share that right. with the group. Yeah. So that was yeah. our reading assignment to share that with the with everybody at the campfire. Yeah, that's a, that's a great story too, and that's kind of it typical is. what what we what we talk about around the campfire. It's always intentional, and you know that idea of Don Juan of Austria. You know, there's a whole at least a man cast right on that whole subject. Oh yeah, Lapanto, right? And uh, yeah, right. What a great story that is. Yeah. Yeah, great, great example. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be getting into stories like that and other great, great books that we've yeah. read. So, uh, so Peter's father and two younger brothers were on that. Yeah, and they're uh, Gabe, is Gabe still just the wildest person in the world, or is he chilled out a little bit? Uh, he's pretty calm, I think now. <laughs> you know, I don't. <laughs> that, I can't really tell you because that period of my life, I was like way out there, dude. I have no yeah. idea how he was, honestly. Unfortunately, it's sad to say, but yeah, I don't really know. I don't really yeah, remember him ever being that, you know, wild. Yeah. <laughs> really. Just, just so. a good crazy, you know what I mean? Just full of energy. And I, I remember them on that trip. Um, I think they had like hammock tents, if I'm recalling correctly, John. Remember that they would find trees and hang them up, and then they would just climb up in there and zip it all really? up. And I wonder what they did with those. Yeah, I think we called them no. bear tacos or something like bear burgers. Right. <laughs> it's a nice so, snack hanging in a tree. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, some good memories there. Yeah. So, so it'll be fun uh, yeah. too on some of these episodes to talk about some of those trips and some of the memories yeah. and, and bears that you guys yeah. we I've never seen one, but I've seen evidence. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I noticed talk about all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I noticed Michael Pavey's out there watching us right now. So uh, there you go. Michael's like a good brother, and we're gonna bring him on here sometime, get him on the man cast with us. So uh good to see your face there, Michael. And uh yeah, he says he loves the Ansel Adams. Yeah, Michael's been up in there and loves the Ansel Adams. So, yeah, I'm kind of curious now since we've uh, – what, what do you think, James? Pass the baton to our younger brother here. Yeah. Let we'll we'll tell us uh, a little bit about where he came from. And have Peter talk to us and maybe have, uh, have the child there fill in the details. Yeah. I guess we could start with him, man. <laughs> right. So this is Elijah. Here, Eli. Say hi. What's up? Hi, Elijah. <laughs> so uh that's what uh that's one big part of my story that changed my life. Um so I uh raised born and raised in a Catholic family, eight brothers and sisters. I'm third so that was it was cool growing up um i guess i really really quick at the beginning i kind of want to say that uh wilderness outreach like the impact it's had on my life has been tremendous and it's uh given me like a path forward in who i want to be as a man and how i want to show up in the world and uh just like it's like a trail map right and and a brotherhood that uh for accountability and it's just a 
probably one of the most powerful things that's happened in my life to date. I'd say without a doubt. But uh, anyway, so I was I was born and raised Catholic. Uh, I was homeschooled for like till eighth grade, super sheltered, mega sheltered. So like when I I like was in Boy Scouts and stuff, and like so I got like a little taste of the flavors of the world and whatnot. And uh, this thing called Civil Air Patrol. It was like the auxiliary of the Air Force. It was pretty cool. Um, so I, I went to high school my freshman year, and that's things started going downhill quick. Um, after, after I don't know, man, like a couple weeks. Like my first friend um, was not a great friend. Um, and I got into all the wrong circles with all the wrong friends. And uh, so I just kind of started just – I don't know. I found the world and it, and it took my life over really. Um, so much to the point that my parents had to send me away. So a lot of my friends were like ODing and stuff and they, they knew what I was into. And, uh, they sent me to a ranch in Wyoming. There's actually a Catholic boys ranch called triangle cross ranch at the time, I think. And looking back, the experience was great, but I hated it. Uh, when I went, they had this old cowboy come get me and uh put me on a plane didn't tell me where i was going or anything they just sent me away and it was pretty rough at the time um i was a, starting my junior year in high school when that happened um they we you know it was kind of a group decision out there that you know finishing school wasn't a good fit so i went ahead and got my ged a year early after i was in the ranch rehab facility for like a few months um I think I was there for like nine months and then I got uh, my GED and then I got out a little early, probably a little too early. Um, went to college in Wyoming for welding and uh, I was doing all right, man. Like I had a job uh, at a livestock pavilion. I would walk there a mile and feed some sheep and stuff. And like just uh, I had learned a, a pretty decent work ethic like these guys had um, in the short time that I was on the ranch. Uh and my roommate was from Malaysia, I think. And anyway, he asked me a question. He was like, do you want to do this thing? And it was a bad thing. And I was like, yes, <laughs> that was it. So it was like back to the old Pete again, <laughs> uh, back to just, you know, just girls, drugs, loud music and like terrorizing the general population um, as much as I could. Just that's all I did. And um, so I without going too far into it, I got kicked out of the college. Um, I came home to Ohio. I came back to Ohio after staying out there till like 2014. And um, so I came home and had kids like within a year, uh, fell right back into the same clique, the same group of people that I was hanging with and just the, the same old life that I had left. I just picked right back up like I had never left. And, um, so I had kids, I had one kid, Amelia, Elijah's older sister. Um, and then I, something in me knew I needed to, you know what I mean? It was my responsibility to be there for, for her and the child and to provide, like provide care and protect them. And, um, so I, I did the best that I could 
at the way that I encountered the world at that time to do that. And frankly, that sucked. I was terrible at it. But um, so after trying that and, you know, having another kid, thank thankfully with the same woman, um, I moved back to my parents' house, started straightening up a little bit. At this point, I'd stopped selling and using a lot of hard drugs. And um, after that, uh, I met this one girl that ended up breaking my heart. And I was like little high school girl, like crying and leaving work. It was pretty rough. I was like really heartbroken. I thought I was going to marry her for sure. <laughs> it just wasn't, wasn't the one, dude. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so that uh, at that point, was the real turning point in my life. Like when I had kids, I kind of had that turning point of um, just like, I knew that I would, I needed to be there for them and to be more and different than what I was for them. But uh, I wasn't, I don't know why, but it wasn't enough. Sad to say, sorry, buddy. But so at, when that girl broke my heart, uh, it's, it made me think and feel in a way that I hadn't before. And it was pretty difficult because I had always perceived emotion as being effeminate and um, just like weak. So I learned how to deal with all that. I read a few books, one of them being The Seven Habits, um, another one was a book by this guy like Robin Sharma. Um, and like both of those guys have a lot, some drastically different views than I do. But anyway, um, the Lord slowly led me home to like a correct, correct value system really. And uh, so I quit drinking and smoking cigarettes. That was like, the worst that I was doing was pretty good for me. I was the worst I was doing at, uh, at that point in my life. So I stopped doing all that. I moved back to my parents' house and I started to, uh, pray for friends that didn't, you know, that were going to lead me where I wanted to go, not to, uh, straight to hell for real. Because people I was hanging out with, that's what, that's what was going down. You know, it was pretty clear to me at that point. So after that, uh, I'm praying for friendship and stuff. I'm like in therapy because I was like super heartbroken, man. And I actually, it helped me figure out a lot of stuff and deal with emotions and uh, think in ways that I hadn't before. I'd always just kind of ran and masked my emotions with drugs and alcohol. And so I started doing that. And that was a very... Uh, big time in my life for growth but then anyway so i'm like all right jesus i need some friends and then he sends me this priest james's brother father han and then this old guy john <laughs> and we start hiking together and i was like okay this isn't really how i saw it but you know whatever lord so we started rocking with it and uh to date, like some of the most fruitful experiences of my life have come from that, like just uh, having the opportunity to be mentored and taught and uh, share experiences, Can you keep that off the table? share experiences with, uh, with you guys and just uh, learn from, from you guys and share. And it's been a beautiful journey so far and I'm stoked to see where it goes next. I'm glad we're doing this and I am, uh, 
I'm thrilled to talk about some of the times we've had and uh, the things that we think about and talk about together. I think that a lot of the conversations we have can just people will get a lot from. But yeah, yeah. So that brings us to now. Yeah, yeah, and it's like I I want to I want to do a big shout out for Peter there. So how old are you now, Peter? Uh, twenty six. So twenty six, and you just something big happened in your life here in the past forty eight hours, right? Oh, uh, yeah, I uh, put an offer in on a house and it got accepted, so that's pretty cool. That's so I've come, that's, yeah, that's I've come really, a long way to say the least. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't, I don't think I went in that direction till I was probably closer to, yeah, probably after 26, maybe to between 26 and 28, but that's a, that's a big serious step in your life, but it's really speaks to your, your growth and, and, you know, an evolution into being a man, right? It really, really is. It's really good stuff. Yeah. I'm excited about it. So I guess that's another thing that I did in the last, you know, three or four years is I've held the same job, which is something that's unheard of, really, yeah. you know. I've had more jobs than I can count. Yeah, and that I know for since we started hiking together, it's kind of fun, I, you know, thinking about you two men and, and how, you know, the, the way we hike, right, it's pretty interesting that, uh, you know, we meet somewhere like, say, Clear Creek or down at uh, – Tar Hollow, meet early in the morning. First thing we do is get into the, the morning prayer from the liturgy of the hours, and then we hike, right? But we're that whole time that we're hiking, we're talking about ideas, right? We're solving problems. We're really, uh, it's really a, it's just what a great brotherhood we have, right? We just dig in, we just dig in and talk about things we're reading, problems we have, and we talk about them in a problem-solving type of direction, right? And um, so it's kind of like no commiseration, right? So, but, uh, but kind of thinking about your journey and finding your house. So in the past year or so that we've, we've known each other now, maybe two years, been two, two to three maybe now, but you've been thinking about that house for a while. And it's kind of that reflects back again, I'm going to say to the Covey's, second habit right which is begin with the end in mind so you've had that you've had that idea in your mind and here it is coming coming true right which is it's really really a cool thing so, yeah gonna give a shout out to steve ford if he's still out there he says hi elijah so yeah steve, steve said ford, hi yeah so he's, steve's another one of our brothers <laughs> He's gonna, Steve's going with us out into the Sierra Nevada, and Steve's uh, become a great friend. Been on many expeditions together with Steve, and he's going to be on this uh, podcast here in a bit. So sometime uh, after we get back from the uh, uh, the John Muir Wilderness, we'll get we'll pull Steve into into the loop here. So yeah. Do you want to say think? anything? Hi, Elijah. Hi. Hi. Elijah, were you on the uh, Carry the Cross this past April? That's what I thought I remember you on there, yeah. 
use your words. There's a mic. But... Yes. <laughs> Good to see you again. Good to see you, Lyle. <laughs> Right on. Yeah. I'm, so I'm super excited to see what the future holds, but, uh, yeah. So James, a, I think this is, is great. What is the future? What is the future? That's a good question. The near future. Here, where are we, where are we going? Um, so for next week, we're like, I mentioned at the beginning, we're going to be talking about the things we're going to be talking about. Mm -hmm. Right. So we'll be talking about, Ideas and things we have for future episodes, whether those be books or spiritual growth or physical growth, like, you know, what kind of exercises do you do, John? And, you know, what kind of, you know, fasting. Um, so be interviewing, you know, who we're going to interview. See if we can get that Father Han guy on here to talk about some of the stuff, share his story like we just did. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's, we've got a whole giant spreadsheet of ideas to, to share with people and and this is good because you know i think we've all shared how this organization has changed our lives in some way or another you know how god has has used grace and other people to kind of bring us into this and and together and each of the expeditions i've been on i've learned something about not only the men i've been with but myself you know so it's just it's a great great thing. And so I would just encourage anyone who's thinking about it to make an expedition, go to the father son camp out, just get involved as much as you can, you know, keep watching this podcast or listening to it to learn more about uh, what's been done or what we can do. And, and if you're in that position, like I was, or Pete was, or John was, or you're just starting to head towards the Lord a little bit, this is, this is the place he wants you to be because we're here to help, right? We're here to channel grace as much as we sin sinners can i guess <laughs> yes so next yeah, week we're, we're talking about those things yeah yeah you know was, uh, i like to call our hikes discernment hikes because uh gosh as many hikes as we've been on together and there's always something that we're we're struggling with right so one mm -hmm. of those is discerning well what's the path forward in a through a problem, right? But I think in a greater way, like there's been a lot of men that come into our fold and it's like, what am I supposed to be doing, right? So I think the other thing that that we as men need to understand is that uh, there's uh, our vocation, let's say as fathers, right? Fathers and husbands, we have a particular vocation, but there's always, always this other vocation, right? That the Lord's calling us to. And that's sort of, that other vocation is what he's been training us for through all the, 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 the bends in the road, the, the dips in our lives and everything. It's like, what's, what's this other vocation the Lord's calling us to? It has, it's all wrapped up in our manhood and our, and our natural fatherhood, I think. And, uh, and really engaging the world in a, uh, a very good way and a very, proactive way right to protect our families to protect what we love in the church and everything that's in, in yeah. some sense all we're all called to that yeah yeah i like how you say that discernment 
hikes, you know, whether it's just you and I, or there's, there's other people, you know, and that's what I find is it's just good to, to meet with you and you're of the same vision, I guess, the same faith, the same ideas and to throw things at you that you can come back and say, this is this you're, you're outside of my situation. So you have a clearer view of, of the situation a lot of times. And it's funny that, you know, Laura said to you to go, go hike, go do something. You know, Nicole, whenever I'm getting stressed and I'm having trouble, she's like, I think you need to call John and go meet at Clear Creek or something. You know, <laughs> she'll tell me that, like, have you talked to John about this? Have you, you know, cause she sees when I come back that I've, talk to you we've, we've worked things through you know you've helped me see things that i've not seen before so it's and whether you know and i'm open to doing that like i know you are and pete you probably are too just somebody who says hey do you have time to go for an hour hike or something and meet me oh yeah for sure that's part of the whole brotherhood of wilderness outreach the most beautiful part of yeah. it i can call i mean i don't know everybody that i've met through this organization that well but i know if i call any of them i could say hey we need you know i need somebody to talk to about this or that whatever it is i know that i'm gonna get um with habit five that's what they're gonna offer me from covey they're gonna mm -hmm. seek first to understand exactly what i got going on and they're not gonna try to advise me but they're gonna seek to help me and to uh move me closer to the Lord in that journey instead of advising me and fixing just, you know what I mean? Getting a quick fix out of a problem I've behaved myself into. Right. And not everybody sees behind the scenes here, but a lot of times, even when we were talking this week, coming up to this first episode, that if uh, somebody steps out of line, they're doing push-ups on the floor behind the uh, behind their camera or whatever. So Elijah's doing mine keep, for me over people. there. Is oh. he? <laughs> yeah. I I had my ears open. I don't know if I heard anything. So uh, no, yeah, not, kind of, I don't think it was anything bad today. Tradition <laughs> in wilderness outreach that when you curse, your brother was going to carry your cross for you by doing ten or twenty push-ups. So that's become. That's if you're weak and you don't do it yourself. Yeah, right. right. Exactly. 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 It's kind of a good, it's a good thing, you know. Okay, I'll, I got you covered there, brother. Jump down and do 10. So we had a we had a, a guy with us on an expedition in Wyoming last last year that uh, he, I don't think he knew how much he was cursing, right? And, and everybody was jumping down around the campfire doing 10 or 20 push-ups for him. And I think maybe it kind of dawned on him by the end what was going on there. It's all right, brother. I got you covered. So, <laughs> so uh, James, do you think it's time to close with prayer? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's uh, been a good evening. Um, looking forward to the next time. Um, so we'll be here next week at uh, 8 p.m. again, broadcasting right. live. And uh, thanks for coming and joining us, folks. Yeah, we'll try to put things out there, I think, that have like links to any books or anything that we mentioned, stuff that we talk about if people want to learn more. Like Pierced by a Sword, you know, you just have to Google that or we can find a link uh, for you can, to get to it, any of the books John mentioned. But we'll try to put those out there maybe on the Facebook page or YouTube or whatever. So, 
All right, so this is a prayer, uh, prayer for the courage to be great. This is uh, Blessed G Pierre Giorgio Frassati's prayer. I love praying this prayer. So, in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Heavenly Father, give me the courage to strive for the highest goals, to flee every temptation to be mediocre, enable me to aspire to greatness as Pierre Giorgio did, and to open my heart with joy to your call to holiness. Free me from the fear of failure. I want to be, Lord, firmly and forever united to you. Grant me the graces I ask you through Pierre Giorgio's intercession. By the merits of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God bless you, man. Awesome. Until next God time. Bless you guys. Good night. Thank you.